0: Forensic investigations to miscarriages of justice, What's the Story Crime is the home for all true crime fans who want bingeable, addictive, crime-based content. The Missing is produced by What's the Story Sounds. They also make lots of other great content, which I think you might like. Why not sign up for What's the Story Crime? On there, you'll find series, including The Missing, completely ad-free, as well as bonus content and even entire series you can't hear elsewhere. Signing up is super easy. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes to get access on whatever platform you prefer to listen on. All the information is also available on www.whatsthestorysounds.com forward slash crime. At 8.30pm on the 23rd of March 2020, then Prime Minister Boris Johnson made an emergency announcement on UK television. In response to the growing threat posed by coronavirus, he issued an unprecedented public safety order, one which effectively shuttered all but the most essential industries, outlawed public gatherings of more than two people, and locked down millions of British citizens in their homes. The ripple effects from that decision were manifold. Hundreds of thousands of people lost their jobs. Domestic abuse calls to emergency services skyrocketed countless people unable to see their family and friends in person experienced a severe decline in their mental well-being this was the experience of James Miller a 37-year-old mechanic from Warrington who on the night of December the 22nd 2020 left his home and never came back for Emma James's sister the search for her beloved sibling was complicated from the start It was Christmas, a time when the police and the rest of the emergency services are already stretched thin. Then, a period of bad weather further impeded the effort to locate James. Finally, lockdown restrictions made an already challenging task even harder. Reduced transport links meant less avenues of inquiry. Social distancing requirements meant any large-scale searches were compromised, and the lack of people out on the street meant fewer potential witnesses. More than two years later, most of us are able to travel to work, to go on holiday, to see our friends. But for Emma and the rest of the Miller family, until they find out what happened to James that night, nothing will ever be normal again. I'm Pandora Sykes, and you're listening to The Missing, a Podomo podcast series produced by What's The Story Sounds? and brought to you with help from the charities Missing People and Locate International. They believe that all of the cases in this series could still be solved. This is The Missing, James Miller.
1: I personally, even as an adult now, I don't think I'd ever leave Warrington because it's just, even from being a kid, even though it's changed a lot now, which, you know, there's many people who've moved away and they come back and they're like, wow, you know, it's changed. But the community spirit's not changed. The people haven't changed. Like, you know, everyone knows each other and everyone supports one another. So even when bad things go on, there's always the good people and, you know, the support and the friendships and, i say, say we found that out quite, you know, big during all this that's been going on, like how much the community spirit can all join together.
0: That's Emma Miller, James's younger sister and a Warringtonian through and through. Despite the all too recent heartache she and her family have suffered there, the good memories of Warrington will always and forever outweigh the bad.
1: James used to be, you know, oh, well, still is, always is my big brother, so he always stood up for me. Wound me up a lot, but always there to stand up for me and be that big brother, really, that I always needed. I think my main first big memory of that protection, I was playing races around the street, you know, on our bicycles, and um, I actually got bit by a German Shepherd while I was letting this nice couple (laughs) walk past me Uh, the dog decided to bite me so obviously I fell off my bike and I actually remember James was coming round the corner and he picked me up and carried me to my grandma's who again lives round the corner and I always remember that memory because you know he, he was there the big strong protector and you know carried me there.
0: James is seven years Emma's senior, the eldest of four siblings born to parents, Wendy and Keith.
1: At one point, yeah, when I was growing up when we were kids, uh, they were both taxi drivers for the local firm in Warrington.
0: The Millers are a close-knit family. Quality time with one another was never an obligation, but rather something they all genuinely look forward to. For James and Emma, that meant a lot of Friday nights spent at the Halliwell Jones Stadium. Home of the Warrington Wolves.
1: When you live in Warrington, you either support rugby or because we do have a Warrington football team as well, Warrington Town. Um, so I think, like a lot of families, you either go to the rugby side or the football side. I know, thinking back probably in my family history, we've always been really like, you know, rugby followers and stuff like that. I remember our James actually uh, introduced me to rugby when I was uh, at a younger age and uh, the stadium wasn't where it was now. It used to be just down the road uh, and it was just a concrete old-fashioned rugby pitch, nothing fancy. And I remember going there and he said, make sure you dress up warm. Well, I don't listen, do I? I ended up with his rugby top, his hoodie, his coat, (laughs) and I've actually still got the original top that he gave me all them years ago.
0: When he wasn't cheering on the team, there was nothing James enjoyed more than blowing off steam at his local pub.
1: Got quite a few local pubs. Um, We have the King's Club, which um, James... Growing up, played snooker and pool there, but mainly snooker at the King's Club um, because he was part of a snooker team in his late teens, early twenties. So he used to play on the snook, local snooker team, and actually, it, it was a very, he was a very good player.
0: James had one particular attribute which gave him a distinct advantage over the competition.
1: James is ambidextrous, so one minute he'll be playing right-handed and then next minute he would be playing left-handed and they're like "Uh, what what what's going on here and my granddad always taught james to play right-handed whereas my my dad he was left-handed so he always taught james to play left-handed you know that's how he used to beat um quite a lot of his competitors because he could play with both hands, which a lot of people actually can't.
0: James had always been good with his hands. And when he wasn't seeing off all comers at the pool hall, he indulged in his other favourite hobby.
1: He, he was always very um, technical. He liked taking things apart and putting them back together his way. So even now we've still got a drawer full of like bits and bobs, of, like remote controls and you know, clocks and I remember my grandma and granddad always saying like, oh, our James has messed with that. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, look at it. He's like, he used to just take everything apart.
0: James's natural talent for breaking down and rebuilding complex machines led him rather neatly onto his first gig, where he found a job as a mechanic.
1: He literally left school and went straight working for, it used to be called Black Diamond, and I think now it's called Warrington Transmission Services or something like that. And like I say, he's worked there all his life.
0: James specialised in one specific area, gearboxes. So you might assume that he was something of a petrol head, someone that his family could go to if they ever had engine trouble.
1: Oh no, he couldn't tell you a thing about cars. You give him any gearbox, and I mean any... Any other, like he ended up obviously during lockdown, uh, they were building the gearboxes for ambulances, army vehicles. You know everything, and it's crazy that you know, like say anything to do with a gearbox, hundred percent he can sort it, fix it. Don't even have to look at it. He can do that. But ask him a question about a car, <laughs> not a clue.
0: <laughs> James started his career when he was still a teenager. And he stayed with the same company for his entire life, working his way up from the bottom and forming lasting friendships along the way.
1: A lot of his workmates and, you know, they saw James's family, which we know that. And, you know, we were told many times by him, you know, a lot of them obviously have brought James up from from being 16 years old right up until like when he was 38. You know a lot of the people there have been in his life all of his life and you know they always treated him like you know I know there's a couple of them who do see him you know like a son to them um you know tried to guide him and help him throughout life as well which for me is really special that you know you can get that kind of friendships and people there to support you like that.
0: And this close bond with his colleagues allowed him to push his luck every now and then.
1: I think he did get away with murder um, at work. I've not been there myself, but, you know, when you hear the stories, so uh, many times, you know, if he's been out the night before and he's got into work and they've just let him sleep, <laughs> let him sleep a couple of hours and then he'll get his job done.
0: James built himself a work family, with the same ease in which he'd assemble a gearbox. His love life, on the other hand, proved to be a far trickier project.
1: Obviously, I knew quite a lot of James's female companions over the years, and a few of them I'm still very good friends with, uh, which James is still very good friends with, you know, a few of them. Obviously, he met one person in particular, and... James had a daughter and, you know, they were together for quite a few years.
0: Her name was Ebony and from the moment she was born, James was smitten.
1: Lucky for me, they brought me my beautiful niece. But unfortunately, you know, as life does, both parents just wanted different things in life. So, unfortunately, their relationship ended. But at least we got the most beautiful thing out of it. he gained a daughter and we gained a niece so that was uh, one of his best achievements in life
0: James and the mother of his daughter fell out and as a result he was no longer able to play an active role in his child's life
1: so obviously it's no secret Um, James unfortunately hasn't seen Ebony in the past 10 years you know James absolutely adored, and does adore, his daughter. It's just circumstances that he hasn't seen her, but that's life really at the moment.
0: James did his best to keep his chin up, but being separated from his daughter was eating away at him.
1: When he didn't get to see Ebony, he changed. And it's no, you know, it broke his heart and he just never really recovered from it. And I think that's when, you know, it, James did have depression, which, you know, it, it's not, nothing to be ashamed of. You don't have to hide away from it, which, unfortunately, I, I think a lot of males think, you know, that they have to hide away. You know, they, they can't be sad. They can't have, you know, these feelings, which, you know, it, it's, it's a big shame because, You know, I always wonder even now to the day that, you know, if he'd reached out and, you know, if we got the help that he needed, would we be in this position now?
0: James refocused his attention towards his nieces and nephews and played the part of doting uncle with aplomb.
1: He idolised them. My children and my sister's children like, like don't get me wrong my, my younger brother he's the best uncle in the world as well but our james like he you know he, he idolized our children like he used to take them out for the day even if it's just going over the road because uh over the road we've just got a massive park and you know if it was just going there and taking them for a picnic and he used to like say took him to the warrington game uh took the eldest niece to like chester zoo she has a uh, fond memories of, you know, Uncle James taking her to the zoo and them going on the train and, you know, so I'm quite lucky that the three eldest children, you know, they have got memories that, as sad as they are, because, you know, they they miss him so much.
0: Meanwhile, he continued to look for a partner and he found one, but unfortunately he also found more heartbreak along the way
1: again no secret James has got a failed marriage that's all we need to know with that but unfortunately that didn't help with James's mental health and that is when he he declined again and so the best thing for us and like I say when I helped him through the situation I got him home where he belonged and instead of him sitting in an empty flat and Uh, At least we got him home and, you know, at least my mum could fuss over him and, you know, he had the company.
0: James moved back into the family home on Slater Street with his mum in October 2020. And whilst he was grateful to be amongst loved ones, lockdown restrictions meant his two favourite activities, rugby league and sharing a pint with pals, were still off the table.
1: James was a key worker, so... Obviously, in these last few years, uh, his escape was going to the pub, you know, socialising with his pub friends and stuff like that and, you know, going out and even, like, going, like, say, to the rugby, you know, so he could go to different places. And he used to love raving, so, you know, going to the raves and, you know, just having fun and socialising. But obviously, when lockdown hit, all he did was wake up, go to work, go the shark come home and you know that was on repeat which I really don't think you know helped any situation.
0: On the days where he felt like he was going stir crazy James got out of the house and onto two wheels.
1: James used to like just going on random bike rides and walks and uh, we have like his Strava maps on there that he used to just literally pack a couple of cans in his bag get on his bicycle and ride off to like Holton or somewhere and you know just go sit there in the opening. He, he did enjoy the outdoors so I think obviously that helped him a lot that he could just go like I know one of the main pictures on our site is um, him sat on a bridge near the River Mersey which is is only like a 10 minute walk from our house but he just used to go sit there and just clear his head and listen to his music banging and just let the world go by.
0: Like many others who came of age in the UK in the late 90s, James's taste in music was shaped by club nights and house parties.
1: Bit of club bland and trans and all the old-fashioned good rave music. The happy hardcore and we've still got all these CDs, so if he's listening, I've robbed your CDs. <laughs>
0: Christmas is a notoriously difficult time for anyone struggling with their mental health. For James, being with his siblings and their families during the festive season was a painful reminder of his own failed relationships, as well as his estrangement from Ebony.
1: It does kind of hit him a lot harder, you know, with, unfortunately, I'm just gonna say it, but not having his daughter around it always at Christmas time, he he was quite sad and, I think anyone would be and, you know, unfortunately, you know, with the breakdown of his relationship, which, you know, even though it had been a couple of years, it's still, you know, a lot on your heavy heart and I think, you know, Christmas meant to be a time of happiness and, you know, stuff like that. Unfortunately for James, it was always a bit of a heartache.
0: The last time Emma communicated with her brother was via text message.
1: I've got a message that says love you Nobed and but that to me was like you know I know that he loves me and you know that was like the week before he went missing and which you know has nothing to do It just that was the last text message that I had off him but like that was kind of our humor as well that you know he'd try and act all you know hard and that but really he's just a, a soft lovable person and Everyone who knows him, like, you know, loved him.
0: December the 22nd was a Tuesday. James got home from work that evening and finding himself at a loose end, cracked open a few tins.
1: What we do know is um, he left the family home uh, on Slater Street uh, just before 11pm. He was intoxicated. had a bit of, I wouldn't say argument, I'd say a bit of a disagreement with my mum, which basically was because James just was blasting his music. Bear in mind, this is a weekday. Mum had work, James had work, the neighbours had work the next morning. So mum being a mum, told James to turn his music down. James then decided no, because (laughs) he just being a child and rebelling against your mother and he just said no and then so mum left it but then went back and said you know come on you've got work in the morning time to turn your music down unfortunately James was just like no not doing it and that was really it mum went to bed and then she heard the door go looked out and just saw James walking away um, you know, just thinking, or oh, maybe he's gone for a fag or you know, gone to cool down because obviously he turned his music off at this point. And unfortunately, we've not seen him since. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: The following morning, Emma received a concerned phone call from her mum, alerting her to the fact that James had stormed out the previous night and still hadn't reappeared.
1: It wasn't like James not to come home or, you know, not to, he he would have normally come my house or he would have gone my grandparents' house or, you know, just one of them and So about dinner time on the 23rd, uh, I put on social media, which, you know, I've done many a times. Anyone seen our James. And it was only until it started getting later and later in the day that I thought, something's not right. We all know each other's routine. And so it was out of character for none of us to have seen him or heard of him.
0: James hadn't turned up to work, which immediately set Emma on edge.
1: That again was very, very strange to James because like I say, even if it over the years if he had a heavy night, he would always turn up at work and that's when the alarm bells went off and I rung the police. And then what within a couple of hours I had the police at my door and that was it. We kinda launched the investigation of where he was.
0: Shortly after receiving Emma's call, Warrington police turned up at the family home.
1: They were pretty, you know, quick with coming round and, you know, asking all the questions and wanting, you know, his technology because obviously they took his phone, his laptops, you know, they took everything.
0: James hadn't taken much with him, just his wallet and a solitary cigarette. One, he could be seen smoking in a grainy security cam video discovered by the authorities.
1: We have a bit of CCTV footage, which was around 11pm that night, which does confirm, you know, obviously James walking away from our house. And then, like I say, that was at Colin Williams on Slater Street. And then unfortunately, we've had nothing apart from that.
0: James has a striking face, which his family hoped would make it easier to locate him.
1: He has the most beautiful blue eyes you could probably ever meet. I know that sounds wrong, but no, he's got the most piercing blue eyes. He also has a bit of a crook on his nose. He's got a bit of a bump on his nose, and that was from when he broke it many years ago. But he has got a very distinctive scar on the side of his head. It's like in a question mark shape because when he was younger, James had a brain tumour. So luckily it was a successful operation and they managed to remove that.
0: Unfortunately, bad weather, the fact that it was Christmas and numerous lockdown-related complications meant that the search for James got off to a slow start. In the meantime, his family, unwilling to sit on their hands and wait for news from the police, put their own plans into motion
1: amazon i'm not advertising them but you know if it wasn't for the use of online shopping we were able to buy printers and ink and you know paper and get posters pretty quick and you know we contacted missing people uk which uh, they've been you know fantastic with helping and they get the word out throughout the country as well rather than just uh, the local area
0: Whilst the family were, of course, reeling from James's disappearance, there was one small silver lining to their situation.
1: Just weird because even Christmas Day we had the police round because obviously um, with it being locked down, a lot of families, you know, obviously you couldn't meet one another. We were very lucky that we were given permission by the police that we could be together on Christmas Day. But I I, I do think, you know, I think all these families that, you know, couldn't be together and we were very lucky that under the circumstances that we could be together, you know, to support one another through the day.
0: That Christmas, just two days after James was reported missing, is one Emma won't forget in a hurry. After a near sleepless night, she got up early and watched her kids open their presents doing her best to keep things as normal as possible for them. Then, she dropped them over to her mother's house and got behind the wheel of her car.
1: I went driving. I went driving everywhere. I was shouting his name. I followed one of his maps that he did, where he went like Holton and then Runcorn and just to a couple of other places.
0: James had frequently tracked his biking routes with a GPS app called Strava, which formed the basis of many of the family's searches for him.
1: The, the wonders of technology that he used to record his journeys. Um, I don't actually know why people do that, but I'm quite glad that he did. So, uh, yeah, we we went on a couple of them, but like I say, the conditions were so bad. Um, I actually managed to get a bit of a team together of uh, local people, some of my friends and stuff like that and we did one of these routes which went up to more and you know big more reserve and that and i was very lucky that you know i did have the support of local people we kept it all socially distant so you know we did everything by the book. we followed all the covid rules as well so we kind of staggered the area and you know it's it's crazy because when you see a normal search team, you're like shoulder to shoulder, you know, all walking in a straight line. We had to do like a staggered walk and I think that made it obviously a bit of a nightmare.
0: Whilst Emma and her family were hard at work conducting searches of their own, they were growing increasingly frustrated at the lack of results from Warrington Police, knowing as they did, how vital those first few days of a missing person case can prove to be.
1: Yeah, the police um, did eventually get a search team out. um, So they did a foot search on the local parks, which obviously we've got Victoria Park, which is where the River Mersey is. So they did an extensive search accordingly on there um, and also a couple of areas that James um, had, you know, on his Strava route when they got the police dogs out, we'd add more snow and, you know, stuff like that. So it was very, not very helpful that Mother Nature was against us as well.
0: As the search spread to the local waterways, the family braced themselves for the worst.
1: They've done extensive searches on the River Mersey, as well as they did drain uh, the Manchester Ship Canal. We've got uh, the locks just down the road also for the Manchester Ship Canal. So, accordingly, they did drain that. You know, thankfully, we didn't find nobody.
0: As January gave way to February, the search efforts slowly wound down.
1: We had an amazing lady in charge, which was... a. Um, Jill Pegg, she was a brilliant police officer who was um, in charge of the case and um, you know she was very involved and very committed and you know that's that's what you felt from her. Um, Unfortunately Jill left, she's moved on to better and bigger things which I wish her all the best but obviously our case has been took over now but we've not really had anything the past year. I'm very disappointed actually that we didn't get a two-year appeal done by Warrington Police and they didn't even do an appeal on his birthday which I'm openly and happily to say that we're very disappointed but we, we didn't get anything.
0: The police, as we all know, have multiple priorities and not enough resources to keep every case active indefinitely. James's case isn't closed And if new information comes forward, then they'll always investigate. But how that new information comes forward, well, that's the challenge. And the Miller family have turned to the local community to keep awareness up. They found solace in the support from the local newspaper, which, since the day James went missing, has been behind them every step of the way.
1: I've been very lucky that Warrington Guardian, uh, which is our local newspaper, they've been amazing. Can't thank them enough. Like, you know, they've covered all our stories with him. You know, the renewal day, we've done, um, you know, the light up for James.
0: Light Up for James is a candlelit vigil that Emma has organised for the past two years. Meeting in Victoria Park on the anniversary of his disappearance, James's family, friends, and the wider Warrington community come together to pay tribute to him and pray for his safe return.
1: I think it was brilliant because it brought the community together. You know, we had so many people that turned up that, you know, I I don't know who they are, but they came to show support and, you know, just to light that candle and. For them to have that moment of reflection, uh, it it was really like touching because it just shows you that so many people can support someone that they don't even know.
0: Emma's efforts to keep her brother's case in the public eye extended to the sizable and extremely active online community she has built through her Missing James Miller Facebook group.
1: We have uh, over 10,000 people, um, you know, on the page and it's, don't get right, you know, (laughs) it's been very hectic and, you know, we, we have been a little bit quiet on social media because, you know, unfortunately, as much as it does pain you, our lives do have to go on.
0: In the three years since James was last seen, there have been numerous reported sightings. 52 in the last 12 months alone. Unfortunately, none of them have led to anything. With each passing day, Emma knows the odds of her being reunited with her sibling grow longer. What she wants more than anything is a lead, one solitary piece of evidence that could shed some light on what happened after James shut the door of their family home behind him for the last time.
1: We've got nothing. We have no trace of him. We've got no proof of him. And when I say nothing, I mean absolutely nothing. There's no, you know, there's no evidence that he went into the water. There's no evidence that he went into a car. There's no evidence that, you know, he's walked somewhere or got a train or a bus. And, you know, there genuinely is nothing from that moment. He's just gone you you know you you could think of a million possibilities and you know i get people messaging saying oh he's dead i went okay i said if he's dead where's his body it sounds quite grim and quite depressing to the point but the point of the matter until we have any solid evidence we'll hold on to that hope and we'll just keep on going as long as it takes until we get, you know, a definite answer. You know, if anyone's hiding anything or knows anything, just know no one's in any trouble. Like, throughout all this, like, even James, if James ever listens or you can hear me, you know, you're not in trouble. No one will be in trouble at all. We just need an answer or, you know, a couple of answers or, you know, if someone just knows he's safe, Just let us know that he's safe and he's okay, or even if he's not okay, you know, just reach out to anyone. And, you know, I think all we want is to know that he's happy or he's healthy and, most importantly, he's safe. And, you know, if we just were to get one answer, then I think that would make a massive difference.
0: Unsurprisingly... Emma finds Christmas tough now James has gone.
1: We've said this very publicly, like, you know, normally Christmas we all have together, you know, we're very family orientated and you know, we always go to one another's houses on Christmas Day and, you know, really the only reason we had Christmas that year and every year now is for the children. You know, if it weren't for the children I don't think we would celebrate um, Christmas but they're the only reason that we, we actually got through it. And I think, you know, when you look back and you think, you know, your children give you so much courage to be able to go on. You know, I've always said from day one, you, you've you got to hold on to hope. Like, as bad as days might be, you you have to hold on.
0: In many cases, it takes just one piece of information to lead police or family to the answers they crave. If you know what happened to James, or you remember seeing someone like him on December the 22nd, 2020, your information could be vital. Even if you've never heard of James Miller before listening to this episode, you still could help. Visit our website themissingpodcast.org, where you'll find more information on this and every other case we featured on this podcast. There, you can join an online movement, one dedicated to supporting the investigations for all the cases we've covered, including the one you're listening to right now. Since the launch of The Missing Podcast, over 300 volunteers have joined community investigation teams led by Locate International. In the UK alone, there are over 12,000 long-term missing and unidentified people. To support LOCATE's efforts, and to learn more about the vital work they do, visit locate.international, where you can join the mission to help locate the missing. The series is also made in collaboration with the charity Missing People, who work tirelessly to support the families of the missing. Their helpline is open to offer support and advice if you've been affected by anything in this episode. You can reach them by calling or texting 116000 or by emailing them at 116000 at missingpeople.org.uk. We cannot say this enough. It takes just one person with the right information to solve any of the cases in this series. Emma hopes the information will soon arrive to solve this one. The Missing is a podcast from Podimo and What's the Story Sounds. It's hosted by me, Pandora Sykes. The episodes are researched and produced by Jacka Kennedy. The executive producers for Podimo are Jake Chudnau and Matt White. And the executive producers for What's the Story Sounds are Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, you can listen to them exclusively on What's the Story Crime. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes to get access on whatever platform you prefer to listen on. All the information is also available on www.whatsthestorysounds.com forward slash crime.